Good morning. So excited to be, uh, to be back. Now, last week, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to a, a marriage retreat for uh, Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday morning. And I, I have to admit, it was a little bit like leaving my baby with someone else, you know, for the first time. Any new moms in the room or any moms of little ones? There's a lot of babies around here. If you didn't notice, be careful. There's something in the coffee, all right? Just just be aware. But, but it's like leaving your child with someone for the first time. And you know, I, I de- definitely my baby's in good hands because Brady was preaching and, and uh, it, was an, it was exciting that he was able to be here. And I listened to his, I listened to his sermon and I'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to tell you this, this, this story that we heard while we were at this, this marriage retreat. For, for, one, for just a minute, though, I want to just, I just want to look around and see who's here. I always, like, sometimes I'm so busy talking that I just, I don't get to see who's here. And Libby's back there waving. I love everybody just kind of, like, carves out their own space. And I think it's funny how it goes like this. You know, it seems like it's always like this right here. One of these days, maybe we'll have enough people, we'll open up the other door. Then we know we've really made it. And then we just, we'll go this way, too. But yeah, so excited that you're, you're here this morning. My name is Brady Testorf. I'm the pastor but that just means that I have the responsibility of preparing a sermon every weekend uh, and being here available for you. But I love, I love my job. I love, just a reminder last week how much I love what it is that I get to do, and I was thankful for the time with my, my wife. But while we were there, we heard this story. There was a man and his wife, and I was going to share this story on Easter morning, but I thought, no, I can't wait. I have to share it now because it's so important. There was this man and his wife, and they traveled. And I love this pulpit, by the way, Brady. Thank you. I can just lean on this thing. It's a little wobbly, though. You need to... We need some, we get some work done on this thing. You probably have pounded it to submission. So we, uh, we have this, this story. This man and his wife traveled to the Holy Land. And while they were there, uh, tragic struck and she, she passed away. And so, you know, he didn't know what to do. So he went to someone there locally and they said, well, here's the situation. You can actually bury your wife here in the Holy Land. And it's only $150. But if you take her back to the United States, it's probably going to be around $5,000 to make all the arrangements and get her back. And so, you know, you just really need to think and pray on this. And so he did, and he came back the next day. And he said, you know, I think, I think we're just going to go ahead and just take her back home. I know it's a lot more expensive. And the guy was like, well, you sure? It's only $150. And the husband was like, well, here's the deal. I've heard that there was a man that was buried here once, and he rose again in three days, and I just can't take that chance. just let that sink in (laughs) and you're like this is what you learned at your marriage retreat we we learned to laugh and we learned to appreciate one another again and and I don't care how long you've been married those those are valuable times so I want you to encourage you to 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 do that and I and I realize that uh, just we get busy right we get busy and we take one another for granted and we we definitely don't want to do that so I listened to Brady's sermon on Sunday afternoon. I just wish Brady was a little bit more passionate. You know, that's what I was thinking. Just a little bit more passionate. Brady, when you listen to Brady on podcasts, it's like, it's like when a commercial comes on. Every once in a while, you have to turn the volume down just to protect yourself. But it was a powerful message. I think I got saved again. Like, I was at home standing up. I'm standing up for Jesus right here. And it was powerful, but I also heard a quote from a teenager, though. This mother shared what her teenager said after the sermon. She said, man, you can't fall asleep during his sermon. 
And I'm not sure what to think about that. My own sermons. Hmm. Anyway, but I was challenged. I was challenged by Brady. Hopefully you were too if you were here. Challenged to exercise your faith, right? To, to be challenged to serve him and to share him with others. To be a world changer. And that is a powerful word. It was this message about um, um, being evangelistic, to take the good news of Jesus and sharing it in whatever context you're in, wherever it is that you are. And so I got this, I was thinking about because, this idea because it, it leads us to reconciliation. That's kind of the main theme or the topic for this morning. But I think the fruit of evangel, evangelization, that is sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, the fruit of that is reconciliation. All right, so think about when two things are brought back together, restored and fixed. And that starts with the most important relationship in all of life, right? And that is with, with God. God and mankind. That relationship is the most important. Matter of fact, while we're at the, the marriage retreat, they encourage us to draw three concentric circles on our paper. And in the center circle is Jesus. The second circle is your wife. And the third ch- uh, circle is your children. And then it goes out from there, right? It ripples out from there. So it's kind of like a ripple effect. So I want you to think about the ripple of reconciliation. So first it starts with the most important relationship with God, and then it goes out from there. So God has been in the business or in the process of reconciling man to himself since he found Adam and Eve hiding from him in the garden. If you look at the very beginning of Scripture, they were, they were hiding for him before they had, they had done something that they were told not to do. And because of that, they were covered in shame and they were hiding from God. Have you ever had a moment or moments in your life where you were hiding from God in shame? I know the answer is yes, because I personally have been in those places too. But I thought it was fascinating that God shed the blood of an animal to make skin to cover their shame. Which is a pretty powerful foreshadowing of what God did through Jesus for you and for me, right? The death on Jesus on the cross. His blood was shed for man to pay the penalty for their sin, to cover their shame, and to provide a way for them to be reconciled back to their creator. There was a way for them to come back to God through Jesus. So Jesus reconciles us to God by, by taking our sin upon the cross. That's a pretty fun, it's a foundational, fun, fundamental message of Christianity. And obviously, Easter is getting ready to, to be here in a couple of weeks. And my, my, um, my expectation is, is there'll be more people here because it's Easter and, and it's going to be a great opportunity for us to invite people to come and to be a part of, of this. And, and we will share the, the message of Jesus' death and resurrection because we will celebrate, right, the resurrection of Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful time. But when you think about what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he broke every curse. Okay? Think about it. He broke every curse, especially the curse of death. And he renders death defeated. There's a scripture that says, Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? 
And when we put our faith in Jesus, it actually conquers the greatest fear or the greatest enemy of all mankind. And you know what that fear or enemy is? I just said it. It's death. Think about it. You've been through some difficult times in life and struggles in life, but you're still here, right? You're still fighting. You're still one step in front of the other. You're still pressing on. But the one thing that we fear the most, other than speaking in public, is death. At least that's what, that's what mankind fears, but we don't have to fear that. We don't have to. It's not that I'm looking forward to it, but I don't have to have an irrational fear of what happens to me after I die. In John 11, it says Jesus was talking to his friend Martha. He was going there because his, their brother had died. Lazarus was in the tomb. And Jesus says to them, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked her this question. So that belief and that hope in the resurrection, the hope that we, though we die, we live, that makes all the difference in the world. It should make all the difference in the world to you and me. But there are a lot of people who live in the world that they don't have that same feeling about death. They're fearful of it. They're scared. They're, it's unknown of what's going to happen. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the God of this age has, has blinded the minds. Think about this. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the good news of the glory of Christ. So many people who are blinded, they don't see the goodness of Jesus. They just don't. And that's sad to me. It's so sad. For one, they have fear of death, but they also have fear of today because they don't see the hope that is in Jesus. I, I'm just overwhelmed by that a lot of the time. I'll be in a public place and I'll, I'll be just watching people and interacting with people and I'm just thinking to myself, do they, do they know? I mean, do they really know? And even as I sit and I look out and see you, do you really know? And then the question is, Brady, do you really know? I mean, are you living in that? That's just this incredible expectation of what is to come. Not just what is to come in eternity, which I, I look forward to that day, and I speed is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. But what, is, what we can look forward to today, the interactions, the encounters, the, the working through the struggles in life, and the, the experiencing victories, and, and even walking through some really hard times too, knowing that Christ is in the middle of it all. He is the cornerstone. He holds it all together. He's there in the middle of it all. There are people all around us who don't see Jesus. You know, they don't see his need, the, the need for him in their daily life. And sadly, they don't see their need for him in their eternal life either because they're blind. But here's an interesting thought. Maybe we, as the church, maybe we suffer from the opposite. I mean, we know we need Jesus to get to heaven, and therefore, we can have a realistic expectation of, of having victory over death, and yeah, though it's fearful at times, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that I'm going to be in heaven when I die, but do we allow Jesus 
to have his way in our everyday life. Do we allow him to to enter into the most difficult places in our life? The most hurtful places. And the, the truth is, is do we allow other people to enter into those places too? That's one of the things about going to this marriage retreat that allowed us to do one more time is to to really look in each other's face and and enter into those deepest, darkest, those hardest places in marriage, in married life. Because the reality is, guys, we're the most vulnerable when it comes to being with our wife. Because we have been fully exposed, literally (laughs) and spiritually. We just have been. And that's that's a vulnerable place to be. But we're so afraid, I think, And I could be wrong, but I think we're so afraid of letting people really know who we are. And that's a very common theme around here in this church. Talking with a a couple, well, a gentleman not too long ago. It's like, man, man, Brady, if you you had any idea what happened before we got to church. It's like, yeah, share it with me, man. I want to know. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I can see how... Anybody else have trouble getting to church this morning? I'm not talking about GPS-wise, but I'm talking about like, yeah, these good intentions. Hey, family, we're going to church, and everybody else just seems to be dragging behind. Or you got to drag yourself out of bed to get there. Yeah, that's a, common, that's a common thing. And do we allow Jesus to have access into those places in our life, those most difficult places? Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love this passage of Scripture. It's, a, it's about reconciliation. It's about the ministry of reconciliation that is, has been passed on to us as believers through the ages, through God's Word. And Paul's talking about it right here to the church in Corinth. And, remind, and remember, if you don't know anything about the history, the church of Corinth is a church of a bunch of messed up people. Amen? All right, this is a church of messed up people. Amen including your pastor. But I'm a work in progress. But there's progress being made. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this when it comes to the the Christian life and and living for him and really wanting to press into things of God. I was thinking about this the other day when I was in the lazy river at the YMCA. It's lazy if you don't go against the flow, okay? It just is. But if you walk against the current, which I think they've turned the motor down a little bit because for a while it was sweep a 65-pound person away, you know, you just, you can't walk against it. And I think sometimes life is that way when we are pressing in and it seems like it's, we're going against the flow, but you know what? You can make progress one step at a time. But if you give up, it'll just take you away. And life is a lot like that. And it doesn't mean that you have to just like grit it out and, you know, if I just try hard enough for God, he'll love me. No, that part's already taken care of. It's already done. He finished that work on the cross. He loves you. He's proven it. And now just walking it out every day, it does require effort. Just like in a marriage, just like in any relationship, it requires effort. And so pressing in. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll just start at the very beginning of 5. It says, Now we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So we all live in these tents. We all live in this body. And as 
as we've gotten older, we've realized the tent is not as in good a shape as it used to be. <laughs> and it's starting to break down. Some of it's self-inflicted, you know. Some of it's just natural progression. It's just, it's just the way that it goes. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So there will be a time when all the shame, all of it will be gone and we'll be clothed with a new body, a new home, a new place. And that time will come one day. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. There's the victory of death. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. When I watch a follower of Jesus be laid into the ground, I think about their mortal body being swallowed up by life. It's like it seems like it's the end, but no, it's really just the beginning. It's a powerful, powerful thought. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It gives us hope. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So we live by faith, right? Not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Our goal is to please Him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body or whether good or bad. And I just want to encourage you, this is not about judgment, whether you're going to heaven or hell. Okay, This is, though, an account for how you've lived your life. How you live matters, ladies and gentlemen. It just does. And we all can, we can all write out our story and say, when I wasn't living a life that was obedient to God, this is what it looked like. And it wasn't very pretty. And then something happened. There was a change, and I began to live my life for him. And that's when you turned around and started walking against the flow. That's when you have to put your one foot in front of the other. And there are times when you fail and you do give up. You get swept away, and you get back up, and you move forward again, right? Does this sound familiar at all? I I know that's got to be true. I see it. I know it because I know some of your stories. But, But God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. But we will answer for what we've done with what we've been given the money that God has entrusted to you the family that God has entrusted to you the job that he's placed you in right now at this particular time the seat you're sitting in right this moment where are you going to go after you leave here today and you don't have to approach this in fear of condemnation and judgment but you can you can face it with reverence for God say God I know I'm accountable for how I've li- how I'm living so if, it's, if there's something that needs to change, then let him help you change it. You know, and it's not always easy, I get it. Especially if there's things that get in the way of, your, of being reconciled to him and, and your relationship growing with God. There are things that get in the way of that, I know. So this is what Paul goes on to say. He says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we're giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, I like this part, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love 
compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It's almost like you turn now and say, all right, I'm not going to go against the grain. I'm not going to have to work so hard. I'm going to allow God's love to sweep me in to all the things that he has for me to do. Like allowing God's love to propel you forward. Matter of fact, and Brady said it last week, if you don't do this in love, if you don't serve him in love, you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn out. and It's just not going to feel worth it anymore. But if it's his love that pushes you forward, then, then that's a, it's a good thing. And I promise you, for me, there's times where it's like, you just in your flesh, you just want to give up. You just don't want to do it anymore. But it's like, you know what? No. No, it's his love that presses into me and moves me forward. It moves me out of my seat. It moves me out of my comfort zone to go to places and to do things, to have conversations with people that are just hard sometimes. And then it's his love also that causes me to be humble and to keep my mouth shut sometimes when I need to keep it shut. It's his love that compels me. So from now on, it says we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All, that, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's good news. And he was committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then it says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Paul lived the same selfless, with the same selfless abandon that Jesus lived with. And Christ's love converted him, and then it compelled him. The old life of slavery to sin, gone. Now, before I even go into the next phrase, I know, I know for so many people, and I count myself in this too. We think, okay, Brady, I know it says the old life of sin is gone, but why am I still struggling? Why is it so hard? Why, why does my flesh one moment cry out to God in worship and the next moment it's, it's going back to the same old sin that has held on to me for so long? It's a great question. Why is that? When it says that the new life of devotion to Christ means that we have new attitudes and new actions. New life. The old is gone and the new has come. And I really believe spiritually it's as if you had never sinned when you come to Christ. That's how God sees us. The most difficult thing is to begin to see ourselves that way. And to walk in the victory that is already ours. It's already been paid for. It already belongs to us. It's like something we already have, but yet we don't know what to do with it. Some of it means maybe we need some accountability in our life. We need to go to someone else and say, here's who I really am. 
Will you still love me? And not will you still love me, but will you walk with me? Will you help me through this? Will you walk alongside me? Because the problem is, is we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll walk along with you, but then it gets hard and it gets messy. And sometimes it feels like I'm trying hard, but you're not even trying anymore. And you want to give up. The old life of slavery to sin is gone. The new life of devotion to Christ. New attitudes, new actions. I love this thought. Jesus bore our sin so that we could bear his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? He takes all of the ugliness away from us to the cross and gives us all of his beauty. In the cross, Jesus was treated as if he had committed our sin. And then God treats us as if we had lived the righteous, sinless life of the Son of God. That is scandalous, my friends. Doesn't even make sense. But that's grace. There is a time, it says at the end of this, that God will hear sinners and respond to their repentance. There is a time. That time is still now, still today, maybe tomorrow. But there will also be a day when he will listen no longer. Time will be done. Think about Noah and the ark. There was a time when people still had a chance, and then the door was closed. And that time was done. And then it was too late. So the first ripple that comes out of this that, that requires reconciliation is our, is our reconciliation with God. And, and, and we've already seen that God has done everything to make that possible through Christ on the cross. And then he gives us that message of reconciliation, the ministry of it, the responsibility of it. He lays a lot on top of us and says, now I want you to go and it's, let it spread out. And I believe the first person that it must happen is with yourself. You must learn to reconcile your own relationship with yourself. Do you love yourself? God loves you and he wants you to love yourself. Now, no matter what happened yesterday, he wants you to love yourself starting this moment. That's the first step of healing, I really believe. Learning to accept yourself for who you are, good and bad and the ugly. Have you ever had a song? Have you ever heard a song that just like transports you back? Sometimes it's a good transport. <laughs> Sometimes it's not so good. <laughs> You ever had one of those moments, you hear that song, you're like, oh yeah, man, I remember when I was in high school and everything was wonderful. And then there's times where like, every time I hear that song, it just reminds me of who I used to be, or what I used to do. But learning to love ourselves, whether it's good or bad, learning to love ourselves is so important. Then if you're married, then it's your spouse. The ripple goes out to your spouse. Then to your children, maybe to your siblings, to your parents. Friends, boss. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about this idea, I'm thinking about not just the, the idea of this, this reconciliation between all those people that I'm mentioning, between them and God. Yeah, we want that. We want to pray for them. We want them to have that. But it's also maybe a reconciliation between you and them and your friendship or your relationship with them. So it's, once again, it's the vertical with God and the horizontal with other people. So I want you to think about this. Like, are you seeking reconciliation with your spouse? Or maybe with your children? Or maybe with your brothers and your sisters? Maybe you have a brother or sister you don't really have a relationship with. 
maybe your parents, or probably some friends maybe, there's a relationship that's been broken. How about someone you work for or work with? (laughs) Now this is going to get a little crazy. How about reconciliation with your ex-wife or your ex-husband? And you're like, Brady, dude, I tried. <laughs> just doesn't, just, she's, I'm, she doesn't want any part of me. She doesn't want to let go. How about your ex-wife or ex-husband's spouse? Now the dynamic gets a little crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> How about your neighbor, the person that lives next to you, or anybody that's close to you, or, or even your enemy? Can reconciliation happen in those relationships? Because the other person, not only are they resistant maybe to the good news of Jesus Christ, but they're resistant to you're just extending your hand and saying, hey, I'm sorry. Maybe you've already tried that, right? And then what do you do? Well, you can't force it upon them. You can't force anybody to the foot of the cross with a gun to their head. What do you do? Well, you humble yourself at least, right? And if you, whether you're right or wrong, you should humble yourself. Go to the person and say, hey, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Or maybe, maybe it's, it's necessary for you to prepare your own heart for when someone comes to you. Are you ready if that person comes to you to receive them? It's a good question, isn't it? something we can prepare ourselves for. You definitely keep praying for them. You keep praying, God, that you would open their eyes. If their eyes are veiled, God, take away the blinders. Let them see you. Let them see you for you really are. If they could just get a, I just think about this a lot. Jesus, if they could just get a small taste of who you are, just a little taste or a little touch, that would be enough. Or maybe even look for ways to show them grace. Maybe, Love them, though they don't really deserve it. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Turn, turn back to there or turn to there if you're, if you're still there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about us, us um, being a jar of clay. And we have this treasure that is living in us and it shines out of us so that people can see that this all-surpassing greatness is not something you can produce on your own, but it's from God himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Think about this. If Jesus conquered death in you, do you think that he can surely sustain any relationship in your life? Do you think he can surely help you reconcile any other relationship in your life? If he can conquer death, if he can rescue you from death to life, do you think he can accomplish that in you and through you? I hope you believe that's true. So listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse um, 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And this, might, this might describe life right here for you. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, right? Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And he goes on to say in 16 through 18, Therefore we do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? It says we fix our eyes on what is seen, or not on what is seen. External things, things that are in our life, things that we don't have any control over, or maybe even things we feel like we have control of. We don't fix our eyes on those things, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me pray for you. So maybe, Lord, this morning, we need a different perspective. Give us a a new perspective on the relationships that you have placed in our life. The good, the bad, and the ugly ones, Lord. The ones that are, are just hard. The ones that we have tried and it just doesn't seem to be working. We feel like it will never There'll never be reconciliation. There'll never be healing there. But God, I pray that we'd fix our eyes on what is unseen. And and, and probably the thing that that is unseen at this moment is maybe how you're working in the midst of it all. Like how you're, what you're doing in their hearts, God. We can't see that. Sometimes that's frustrating, but we just have to just hand them back over to you one more time and say, God, would you work in their hearts? Would you... Take the veil off of their eyes. Take the veil off their minds so that they can see you for who you really are. So that they can understand that, that in order for peace to come in, in, in this relationship between the two of them, God, that, that uh, requires people being humble and putting their own desires aside. God, whatever, it, whatever needs to happen, whatever needs to happen for reconciliation to come, so God, right now in this place, I pray for, for the reconciliation between you and them. God, if there's someone here this morning that has never really dealt with that, that they have not been reconciled to you, God, that you would make them a new creation this morning. The old is gone and the new has come. Would they put their hope and trust in Jesus this morning? And then flowing out of that, God, all the other relationships in, your, in their life that have have been damaged or hurt, maybe, maybe it's because of some of their own choices, maybe choices of other people. Either way, God, that they would hand those to you today. And that they would just not merely hear these words today, but they would take action. If there's something they can do, if there's something they can do to, to bring healing, God, I pray that they would. Empower them to do that. Impress upon them today that they have been given this ministry to not only reconcile, um, obviously, relationships in their life, but to reconcile people to you, to point people to you, Lord. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The worship team is going to come, and uh, we're going to do one more song, and I want to encourage you, just if there's anything God has laid upon your heart, maybe maybe you're with someone this morning that there needs to be some reconciliation that needs to happen between the two of you. Come forward. Come and pray. Just bring it before the Lord. Take that step and come. And, and there'll be some people up here that will come up and pray with you if you come. You won't have to be alone. Or if you want to pray by yourself, that's fine too. We invite you to, to come. If it's your first time or if you have a prayer request or whatever, fill out that card that we give 
um, in the bulletin and place that in the offering basket. We will pray for you. And, and if, you have, like, if you have never given us your name or address or whatever, we'd love to have that information as well. Um, one thing we're going to ask you to do as you're leaving this morning is it's one of those moments to give and receive. If you want to, please take one of these packets of cards. And all this is is an opportunity to invite somebody to come to our Easter service. And word, word, or person to person, word of mouth is really the best form of advertisement ever. You know, just think about it. Like when you go and you have a good experience somewhere, you may just want to go tell everybody about it, right? And so you want to invite people. And so this is just a simple little tool. They, I don't even know what the statistics are, but most people will come to church if they're invited to come by somebody that they know and trust. It just, it's just that easy. And so, uh, so we want to encourage you to do this. So take one of these packages, five cards in each little packet, right? And uh, it's just an easy way to say, hey, we'd love for you to come to church. If you're not going anywhere on Easter Sunday, we'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing here. And we, we have room. We have plenty of space for them. Uh, obviously, uh, just be praying about, too, like, who do you want me to give this to, God? Who, who needs to know you or maybe who needs some reconciliation in their life? And you can be, be a part of making that happen, right? And so... So God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your place that you have set aside for us as the Calling Community Church. We thank you for all the lives that are here today. And God, I pray that as they walk out of this place, they can know that you love them and that they can share that love with those they come in contact with. They don't have to have all the answers, God, to share love. And uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, take these cards. I pray these cards to get into the hands of people who need to know you. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.